Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Uh, grab your Bibles. We're going to be in a few different places today. Uh, I'm going to start out with um, Matthew chapter 5, but then we're going to be in a, a, a few different places. So I think your best bet is just to grab your journal, open it up, and start taking some notes. Uh, we're uh, still in the discussion of discipleship. Discipleship is whatever God has given you, come on somebody, give away. Whatever God has given you, give to uh, other people. That means you have to be in community. You have to be receiving. And today, specifically, we're talking about the idea of maturity. When it comes to discipleship, for us, there is an expectation. I'm going to show you that in a minute. There is an expectation inside Scripture and with your Father who is in heaven over you as sons and daughters to be able to grow and mature. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So I want to, I want to start and just kind of have a, a starting point off of this sermon that Jesus does, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 is an amazing message that Jesus gives. It's so good. It's his first and his last. Like he, he comes and crushes it and he's like, I don't think I need to do that again. I'm just going to do small group systems for the rest of uh, the three years that he's here. He does a message and he starts by saying, blessed are you who are poor, you who mourn, blessed are you who get persecuted, blessed are the meek, and it just describes who you are. Blessed are you because this is what's going to happen. This is what you'll receive. And then he goes on after that and talks about you being salt and light. And then he says, hey, by the, by, just for the record, don't take oaths. You know, don't do that. It's a bad idea. And then, he, and then he just connects the Old Testament to the New. You've heard it said of old in the Old Testament. Don't do this and that. But I'm telling you, it's not about what your hands end up doing. It starts with your heart. And then, and then he goes into love your, love your enemies. And, uh, and then he wraps this particular section up just before he teaches us how to pray in chapter six. He wraps this up in verse 48. Listen to this. Jesus kind of puts this conclusion. If you're a English teacher, you would know this particular phrase. He says, therefore, Therefore is the conclusion or a summary of just what I said. Okay, if you weren't paying attention and you didn't read back through your Bible and hit all the high notes of these paragraphs, therefore, let me just wrap this thing up. And then he says, be perfect just as my heavenly father is perfect. And I don't know about you, but I, I feel like I was tracking up until then. You know, like, hey, love your enemies. I don't know. You don't know my neighbor. You don't know the guy that I hate, but I'll try. I mean, just a good motivation. You leave the sermon like that and don't take oaths. Oh, really? I thought they were. No, no. You let your yes be yes. Okay, just just good tips. And then he gets to this. Therefore, be perfect. That's really what I'm saying. (laughs) You had me to be really encouraged. I was going to leave this message. Really try to practice this stuff until you got to that. Because there's a word perfect in our culture, in our society, in the Western church today, that's different from the first century that Jesus was using. When we think about perfect, we actually connotate that in religious practices. Hey, listen, if you're going to be a Christian, you got to just live life perfectly. When we usually say you have to high standard of holiness or high standard of godliness, whatever you want to call it, if you're going to be a Christian, you need to step up your game. And then, and there's this, this precipice of this motive. There's this, this engagement of bondage that comes along with it. I don't know if I could do that. Because what we do is we take the connection of perfection and we attach it to performance. 
Your marriage has to be perfect. Your, your actions have to be perfect. Your, your words have to be perfect. And if you're not, everybody just shuts you down. See? I knew it. See? Look at that. Thought you were a Christian. And you just shove them off of the pedestal. Just swipe it out. Take the rug from out from underneath them. And we start criticizing and judging. I thought you were a Christian. I thought you read your Bible. And then we start poking instead of giving grace. And so usually this word has negative connotations. But not when Jesus says it. Remember, Jesus' words are coming from the heart of the Father. Everything he speaks, John five nineteen. everything he says is because he first heard the Father say it. Are you following this? Everything that Jesus speaks is from the heart of the Father. So as the heart of the Father speaks over, it's not a standard that's impossible for you to live as a state of performance. Hey, I need you to clean your life up. In your own strength, do this. Be good. Stay in line. Don't color outside the lines. It's, it's not a restriction. It's a freedom. Because listen to the word just before he says perfect. Therefore, be. Be in the Greek in this tense, it's, it's a very important word. It's not just shoved in there in the English. It's a verb that designates us to know that's our identity. I want, it didn't say I want you to try to act perfectly. He says, listen to what I speak over you. As a father speaks over his sons, you're perfect. When you're following Jesus, if you put your faith in him, that's how the father sees you. He sees the God inside of you. He sees the Holy Spirit inside of you. He sees the Jesus inside of you. Isn't that what Galatians 2.20 says? I no longer live, but Christ lives inside of me. Come on, somebody, are you catching this? So when the Father speaks to you, when he sees you, you have to recognize this is what he's saying. I see you as perfect when you put your faith in me. Not because you perform perfectly, not because you act perfectly, not because you think perfectly. It's because that's the identity that I see you as. This is the heart of a father. This is what parents do. We speak over our kids who we see them to be. You know, in the Psalms, it actually says that God doesn't deal with you according to your sin. Are you are you grateful for that? <laughs> you would be destroyed. Maybe I should just tell you that you would be you. You wouldn't be able to get out of bed. You wouldn't be alive if, if God was to deal with you and I according to our sin. I feel like I should just leave right now. That's just good news. So you're welcome for that. Totally free. It's not even in my notes to, to have up. I can't remember the reference. You have to go look that up on your own. But in the Psalms, it says God doesn't deal with you according to your sin. How does he deal with you? In Matthew chapter five, this is what Jesus says. Be perfect. Be. That is your state of identity. That is who I see you to be. So here is the, the brilliant foundation of a parent. This is what we do. Because we got it from God. He sees you as righteous, justified, perfect, pure, blameless, sinless. I mean, isn't this inside the Bible? Doesn't he say, I've removed your sin so far as the east is from the west? I mean, isn't that true? Either it's true or it's not true. Are you with me? I can't really move forward without just, it's kind of a big deal. I see you as perfect. Therefore, listen to this. Therefore, act like how I see you. I see you as mature, therefore act like you're working maturity out. I see you as righteous, so act like how I see you. This is what parents do inside the safe parameters of a home and a family. Listen, we have an 11, 8, and a 3-year-old. We have a girl and, and two boys. And I, I tell my 8 and my 3-year-old boys every single night, 
Before I leave the room, I say, good night, my brave boys. Now, sometimes they act like an eight and a three-year-old. They're not acting brave at all in any circumstance. But that's not what I say. I say over them that they're brave. I even call them men sometimes. You are such a good man. You're like, that's a three-year-old. Are you, am I missing something? That's a three. Yes, he is a good man. Because as a father, he will be. Come on, somebody. He will be a man someday. So if I start speaking his identity now, he won't be, um, he won't be surprised when he starts acting accordingly later on. This is what Jesus is doing. And now listen, this, this may help. The very definition of the word perfect in the Greek, li- listen to the definition. What Jesus uses here is a T word, and you can pronounce that, whatever. But let me just tell you the description of what it means. It means to be full-grown, developed to completion. Jesus is saying, be fully grown and be developed to completion, just like my heavenly Father is fully grown and developed to completion. Do you believe that God is fully grown? It wasn't actually rhetorical. It was, oh, that's a good thought. No, no, I'm asking you. Do you think that God, the, our Heavenly Father, is fully grown? Absolutely. So Jesus is saying, hey, be like your dad. This is what he declares over you. I'm your father. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. Be more like your dad. Actually, in Ephesians 5, uh, Paul says this. Be imitators of God. This is what he said. Just be like your Heavenly Father. Well, how's your Heavenly Father? Look at the definition. Be fully grown. And and he says, be developed, which is a process. Are you catching this? Be developed, which is a process. Now listen to this last one. To be complete by fulfilling the necessary processes. Can I tell you how hard that is for us? Uh, We are in a society that, I'm just going to say it like it is. We're so entitled. We, We walk into restrooms and we have motion lights. So when we walk into the restroom, we don't even have to flip the light switch on. Just by showing up, the lights come on. And so when we go into a a room that actually has one of those old manual switches, we're like, ah, the audacity. I have to do this. And, and, And we have this entitlement where when we want something, we can go get it. And if it's not here in two days, what kind of company is this? Do you know who I am? You know, like we have such an entitlement just feeding our egos right now that the kingdom of God is opposite. He said, hey, I want you to be mature, although it's going to take you a long time to get there. Really? Because, I mean, not in my world. <laughs> I can have things tomorrow. So if, if you say I'm perfect, actually, I agree with you. No, no, no. That's your ego. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your state of being before God is developing and becoming more perfect as you go. So this last part, to be complete by fulfilling the necessary processes. Do you know you cannot shortcut maturity? Listen, we have, um, we have uh, young uh, 10-ish year olds moving, skipping through elementary, skipping through uh, middle school and going into high school intellectually. But you know the danger of putting somebody who is 8, 9, 10 into high school too quickly? Yes, mentally, uh, they're geniuses, but what's wrong? Their character cannot be fast-forwarded. You put them, you put them into middle school, or skip middle school and put them into high school, and they're gonna have some really big challenges. Not mentally, but emotionally and physically. They have to walk through. Why? Because this last sentence. You have to complete by fulfilling all the necessary processes. So it, with this description, Instead of perfect, 
Maybe a, a better word would be mature. Jesus declares over you, be mature, just as my heavenly father is mature. He's already gone through the stages because he's perfect. He's a father. I want you to become just like him. And so he treats us as sons and daughters. Why? So that we can grow up to fathers and mothers. You know, if we're a church and that we only welcome sons and daughters and we only have people getting saved and, and we don't have uh, groups and we don't have discipleship and we don't have a, a family that's oriented towards growth, you want to know what's going to happen? Is we welcome more and more uh, sons and daughters and all we're doing is opening up an orphanage. If we don't have any fathers and mothers to watch over the kids that come in, all we do is have a bunch of illegitimate kids walking around not knowing what maturity looks like the next step because they're not being watched over, loved, pastored, protected, parented in any capacity spiritually. And so here, here is what happens. We, we do this and we understand this concept physically. We go through a developmental stage. Anybody have a, a really young infant here? Like you guys have just gone through pregnancy have a really, there's, oh yes, how old is your daughter? Four weeks, let's go. So literally in the definition of, a, of an infant stage, you go to the, the doctor and, and she's going to get a report out and the percentiles are going to show you how is she growing. Are you familiar with this concept? Physically, we recognize this. And if you have kids and you can recognize it from a distance that children biologically are meant to grow. We go to the doctors and the doctors come expecting growth physically. Can I just pause on that parallel? Why do we not expect the same thing spiritually? Why are we not coming into checkups before God, before the Holy Spirit, our doctor, our great physician of our heart and say, hey, how am I doing? Am I growing? Because biologically, physically, this is a this is an expectation. And if, it, and if I come into the checkup, inside of reading the word, inside of coming to my group, inside of coming to church, I should come before God and say, am I growing? And if I'm not, there's issues. The doctor raises the red flag. The parents raise the red flag. Hey, my kid's not growing. There's an issue. And so here's the, the, there's a lot of different charts, but here's one of the charts that has four stages of growth physically that are very similar to that spiritually. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this idea down. Four stages of growth spiritually. Infant, child, adolescent, parent. And listen, you're a multifaceted person. You have a lot going on individually. You have a mentality. You have the condition of your soul. You have the condition of your emotions. You have um, hurts and wounds of the past. You have this topic of a future. You have a purpose. You have relationships. There's marriage maybe in there, parenting in there. I mean, there's a lot to you. You're complex. So you can't just say that there's one category, that you're an infant in everything. You're a child in everything. You're an adolescent in everything. And you're, or you're a parent in everything. Because I know when you look at this chart, you're not even writing notes. Some of you guys aren't even writing notes. Why? Because you look at this chart and be like, I'm already a parent. I've already arrived. I'm awesome. Like, just... I actually should write a book about this and give it to you. Like we just have this entitlement. Like I've already arrived. We haven't arrived. The, the pride in us thinks that we're probably further along than we are. <laughs> like a child. What, <laughs> I get this reminder all the time. I have a, an 11 year old who acts like a teenager. <laughs> you are technically, let me remind you, you're not a teenager yet. So slow it down, right? This happens all throughout life. So when we look at this chart, we can't think spiritually we're further along than we are. We just need the examination before the Holy Spirit and say, God, where, where am I? 
And we need to let scripture allow us to show our maturity process. So when you look through here, this particular phased out plan is helpful for us to recognize where am I? And then also where are other people? Because remember, this is about discipleship. You're, you're sitting across from somebody at coffee. You're having lunch with somebody who's walking through the process. Why am I not further along? Why am I here? Well, you can just talk to him. Well, do you feel like there's an infant or a child or adolescent or a parenting stage? Or are you going through the development of growth? And let me just give you one scripture. It's not going to be up here. So you just have to remember or write it down that Paul actually gives to Timothy. And this is what he says. He said, godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. In this context, listen to what he's saying. Paul is saying, no matter what stage you're in, be content. If you're an infant, enjoy the freedoms of spiritual milk. Peter actually talks about this. Long for pure spiritual milk. Just drink it up. It is not weird for a four-week-old to be drinking spiritual milk. That's normal. What's odd is a 30-year-old coming into church drinking bottles of milk. That's weird. Awkward and biblically wrong. So when we walk through this stage, we have to be able to recognize where we are in the process. But Paul says to Timothy, godliness with contentment is great gain. You will grow in every single stage if you're just content with the one that you're in. That's how godliness forms. Rest in the stage that you're in. Rest in the work of God. But listen to me. Just don't stay there. Just don't stay there. Be content because growing happens with progressive moves towards faith. So let me, t- let me tell you, this, this particular topic that Jesus uh, introduces in Matthew chapter 5 then gets picked up with other New Testament writers. There's other letters in the New Testament and they keep picking up this particular theme of growing, maturing, being stretched, becoming an adult. And I want to show you just a few of them. There's more in there. Actually, for the, the sermon guide, uh, we don't have sermon uh, guides that are going on right now. Some of our groups are coming to an end, uh, coming in, uh, into the summer. But if you want to grab, we are still doing our group guides. So every single message is being updated with questions. And there's a lot more scriptures that I put on there that if you guys want to pick up for personal study. Let me just give you a few of these. Second Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3 says this. But grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if those are too extended and those words don't really mean anything to you, let me just break down the ones that I'm talking about. Grow means to mature and to grow up. Grace is something that God gives you that you cannot have on your own. Let's say that there's 200 pounds here and someone was to come up and say, hey, I want you to lift this 200 pounds. Uh, normal human beings can't. I mean, I can, but, you know, normal human beings can't. I was kidding. So, so you would come up here and say, hey, lift this 200 pounds. Well, I can't. You need grace. You need help. Somebody else would come alongside you and lift it with you. You would be able to lift the 200 pounds because somebody gave you help or grace, gave you something that you couldn't do on your own. When Jesus speaks over you, be mature, be perfect, be fully grown. You can't do that on your own. But he speaks it and empowers you to be able to be that in which he says over you. Are you following this? So he says, grow in grace. Grace is that it's literally power. It's movement. It's energy to be able to give you what you do not have. 
And then the word knowledge here is a personal first-hand experience. He didn't say go do a Bible study about the nature and the character of God. He says walk through life by faith, paying attention to the very presence of God. Your relationship with God needs to develop when you're sending emails, when you're at work, when you're in your marriage, in your parenting, in private, in your car, in your office, at home. Every single area that you don't consider sacred space needs to be able to grow and to flourish and practice the very presence of God. That's knowledge, not book, not mental ascent. It's personal experience walking out that you know him personally. So now read this again. Grow, mature in your relationship to be able to be dependent on the power that God gives you. First Corinthians chapter 14. Brothers, I want you to um, say this uh, bolded word with me. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants. If you're going to be infants, here's this language, child and infant. If you're going to be infants in anything, do it in evil. But in your thinking, help me out. But in your thinking, be mature. Be mature. Where? In your thinking. Did you know the transformation of your soul starts with the renewing of your mind? Starts in your thought process. Did you know that God says you have the mind of Christ? You have access to it. But your job is to take every thought captive. This is a practice. This may sound more philosophical. Just hear me out. Have you ever thought about what you think about? Have you ever examined the thoughts that are going on? Just because they're yours doesn't mean they should be freely able to roam around your head. They may be lies. They may be hurts that you've just entertained for a long time. This is what he's saying. Be mature in your thinking. Because thinking moves to action. And action leads to habits. And habits forms the rest of your world. So be careful what you think. You might ruin someone's life. James chapter 1, count it all joy, brothers, that you meet trials in various kinds. For you know, I mean, you should know this, the testing of your faith when you go through trials produces this perseverance and steadfastness, this ability not to quit. Make sure you just don't quit. Just don't quit. Just keep going. Let steadfastness have its full effect. Say this with me. So that you may be. So that you may be perfect. You know, that's the same word that James uses that Jesus referred to in Matthew chapter five. It's the same word. I wonder if they were hanging out. Sarcastic. Of course, they're hanging out. James uses the same word. Hey, I got a great idea. Be perfect. Now, where did you get that? (laughs) My homeboy Jesus, he gave it to me. Remember Matthew chapter five, verse 48. Be mature. Be complete. This is what James says. Grow up in every way. Fully grown. And then, and then check this out. Ephesians chapter four, rather speaking to now do it in your words, do it in your thought process, grow up in your relationship with God. James chapter one, grow up in your trials, grow up in your circumstances. But now he says, do it also in your speaking, speaking love, speaking truth in love that we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head Christ grow up in every way. A holistic view of who you are, spirit, soul, body, your mentality, your emotions, your desires, your ambitions, your goals, your futures, your past, your hurts, your wounds, your fears, your celebrations in every way. What, if you would just delete all these words and just look at the two that are bolded in every way, say this with me in every way. 
<laughs> Come on, parents, haven't you said that to your kids? <laughs> Man, I wish you'd just grow up. And then when they do grow up and they get off to college and they have, you know, family on their own, you're like, oh, man, I miss the times that you were at home. Like, what's wrong with us? That's where Paul says, you know what you should do? I have this brilliant idea for you. Be content. Be content because that's how you grow. You're content with right where you are. Are you, are you having difficulty sleeping because you have an infant? Be content. Are, are your kids now gone and you want them back in your home? Be content. Because that's where godliness is formed, James chapter 1. Through your trials, you can become mature. Come on, don't skip out on the trials and the circumstances that are difficult. Make sure they have its full effect and they're complete and perfect, growing you up. God's ability is so amazing. It's multifaceted just like you are. God's ability for you to become an infant, child, adolescent, adult in your thinking through your trials, in every way, in your speaking, in your actions, in your relationship. God wants you to grow up in every single way. Be content right where you are. Just don't stay there. Be content. Just don't stay there. The process of moving forward. You know, this, this idea of following Jesus. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this idea down. Following Jesus is about progression, not perfection. It's not about a standard. It's about growing right where we are. Are you an infant? Great. Just keep growing. Are you a child? Good. We celebrate you. There's not one time that our three kids were trying to go from crawling to walking when they tripped and they fail and they got hurt that we reprimanded them. You're trying to take steps to grow. Keep doing it. Instead of being critical and judging our family in the process of maturity, let's give them grace. In the process of becoming parents, fathers and mothers, we declare that they're perfect and fully grown, allowing them in their thought processes and in their actions to become the, the people that God's created us to be. Following Jesus is about progressively moving forward these four stages. There's um last thing that I want to give you, and then I'm going to end with a, a scripture, but let me just... Put this up there. The four stages of growth have infant, child, adolescent, parent. There's two words that sort of describe where you might be. So when you look at an infant, the two words that describe an infant are needy and dependent. Wouldn't you agree? Miss Till, would you agree? Needy and dependent. Would that describe your beautiful daughter? Yeah, absolutely. You are, and not, there's not one time... That we are ever mad at an infant when they are needy. and de- Well, wait, I take that back. At 3 a.m., when you haven't gotten sleep, you're kind of mad. But it's not at them. It's just because God's working out selfishness in you, right? I mean, any parents in the house, you're like, yeah, that's actually, that's kind of true. Infant, the needy and dependent. They're absolutely dependent. They're, they're waiting for you to do everything in life. As an infant, wherever you put them down, they'll stay there. When you come back, here you are. This is where I left you. But when you grow up, they're, look, they're a little bit more independent. As an adolescent, they take on responsibility and contribution. They take on more, but they give more. As an adolescent, they start to have jobs and, and maybe, Lord help us, drive. And, and with that responsibility, they start to contribute back to society. Well, come on, parents. We hope that they're contributing back to society. We hope that their boss actually likes that they show up for work because they have a job. Are you, are you catching this? This is what adolescents do. They learn to grow up and contribute back and to take responsibility. It's a biblical idea. You know, one of the first things that God gave Adam 
It's a job. <laughs> hey, listen, it's not good for you to be alone. First of all, you're going to destroy yourself and all these animals. I'm going to give you a wife. Now, go work the land, bud. It just go do something. So when, when you look at this, it's infant, needy, independent, and then the child. A child, when they start to grow up, they're really inconsistent and they're segregated. They have, they have parts of their life that you can start, you start to see personalities flare up in. You can start to see giftings in your child when they start to grow up. You can start to see things that they're really good at in your child. You can start to see talents and, and things that they just gravitate towards. They're good at some areas, but they're not good in all areas. That's okay. Spiritually, are you there? Is this how you're walking through? Just your spiritual life is separated and, and compartmentalized, although it shouldn't be. And then parent, I just hit that lesson. The parent one, parent is the maturity and the wholeness. And this is what God's talking about. Be, just be more like God. How is he? He's mature. He's whole. He's walked through all the stages. He didn't need to, but he's done. He always has been done. He always has been mature. He always has been perfect. And so Jesus's statement, I'm going to speak something over you. Are you ready for this? You're loved. So work the rest of your life knowing that you're loved by the father. You're perfect, not because of your actions, but because of Jesus's actions installed in you. You are righteous. Spend the rest of your life receiving the righteousness of God. This is the heart of the father. Become who I see you to be. You're a parent. You're a father. You're a mother. Work your way through the maturity so that you can walk out the very calling. So here's the last thing I want to give you. First Thessalonians chapter five. This is the scripture that I want to give to you on a, on a practical how. When you walk out here and you're sitting across from an infant, a child, an adolescent, or a parent. If you're sitting across from them and, you're, and you have a group that's going on right now. And you're discipling people. You're giving what God's given you. What do you do when you have an infant? What do you do when you have a child? What do you do when you have a, an adolescent and a parent? Let me, let me tell you. First Thessalonians chapter 5. We urge you, brothers, admonish the idle. If anybody is idle, idle is this word stagnant. It's stale. It's like thick air that needs to move. It's a place where people are stuck. If anybody's stuck, man, you celebrated Jesus and you're a child and you long for pure spiritual milk. That's amazing. But that was 20 years ago. <laughs> what do you do with them? Take this encouragement. Admonish. The word admonish means to sternly warn. It's to correct them. Listen, I don't know if you get this. You're looking at them in the eye. I love you. But if you don't get moving and grow up and start to become more mature by the very grace of God, then you're going to ruin your life, your marriage and your kids and everybody else. Live to the calling that God has for you. I'm not telling you by guilt and condemnation that you're not living perfectly. I'm telling you that God already sees you that. So start to act like how he sees you. We need open conversations in specific areas of our life to admonish correct warn one another you're gonna you're gonna crush somebody if you don't move don't be stagnant don't be idle and then the next thing is to encourage the faint-hearted if if you're an infant a child adolescent or a parent who is just faint-hearted come on people we've had these seasons before haven't we have you had the season where you're like, I have nothing in my heart. It literally, by definition, is faint. It could faint and die. It could turn over. It has nothing inside of it. You've given it all out. What do you do? You come around other family. This is what God's designed us for. Please don't live an isolated life. 
We are designed to live in community in the context of authentic community so that we can allow other people to put courage inside of us when we are faint hearted. That's what encourage means. Hey, listen, you can do this. I believe in you. This is what God's called you to do. This is what your marriage looks like. These are the truths that you told me two weeks ago. I'm going to speak them back over you. This is how God sees you. You need to put courage into the people who are just faint heart. I, don't, I can't do this on my own. You're not called to. Call us up. Bring somebody into the group. If, if it's been a while since somebody's been reading scripture, send what you're feeding on to them and say, hey, this has helped me today. I don't know if it's beneficial to you. Just encourage the faint-hearted. And then if anybody who's weak, listen to this. If anybody who's weak, help them. Just serve them. This is, this is the idea of grace. You, you don't have enough? Let me supply you with it. You don't have the money to fulfill something that God's called you to do? Let's all put our money together and make sure that God allows you the provision to go do what God's called you to do. You need the encouragement. You need the presence. You need somebody to sit with you because you're hurting and sick. You need to have um, medicine or water. Even when you give a, a, a water, a drink of water to someone, you're giving it for God. Come on, somebody. God recognizes that. When you do the least of these, you do it to God. Help. Help those who are weak. And then listen to this. He says, be patient with them all. Because you're going to be dealing with infants. Just be patient. You're going to be dealing with children. Be patient. You're going to be dealing with adolescent teenagers. Come on, somebody. <laughs> be patient. You're going to be dealing with parents who, who are parents who also need to mature. Just be patient with them, too. Honor them, but be patient with them. Admonish, strengthen, encourage, help, and be patient with all of them. This is what we're called to do in Jesus' name. So like Ephesians 4, let's take those two words and just grow up in God so that we can be who God sees us to be. Will you guys stand with me? We're going to go ahead and close as usual. I want you to take a couple minutes and don't mentally go to the next thing. We have a few minutes where we're just going to allow for God to do what he wants to do in us. To grow us, to stir us in a hunger so that we can start and continue to grow just as God's called us to grow. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Thank you.